Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and this is Star Talk. Colin Jost. Colin, welcome oh, to thank you. Star Talk Radio. It's great to be here, Neil. So uh, you wrote for Saturday Night Live some years ago. Do you still? I've been, yeah, I've been there seven years now. So you're I'm, still there. Yeah, I'm still there. I'm one of the supervising writers there now, and uh, mm-hmm. it's been great. Yeah, it's been a good run. Excellent, excellent. And I did a little bit of homework on you. So you were, you were a comedian dude in college as well. Yeah, I, I worked for this magazine called the Harvard Lampoon. This like, magazine called. This magazine called. <laughs> where, you know, Conan O'Brien and people started out. Mm-hmm. And so I did that basically way more than I did any of my classes, including my including so my you, astronomy so class. So you so. flunked out of school is what you're telling me here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All the I, great I, ones I, flunked I out. I got through. I got through. <laughs> I didn't I didn't Matt Damon it and, and just leave early. Oh, you know, oh gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so we're in the Cosmic Queries part, and we just came off an entire hour on telescopes. And so we called from the internet all ways that our listeners reach us by telephone, by, by Facebook, by tweets. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't seen any of these questions, but you've been reviewing them and just fire away. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready uh, for you. This is great. Uh, so this is a, this first one's from Facebook. It's from a guy named Dominic Irizarry. And he wants to know, aside from the Arecibo Observatory and the VLA in New Mexico, are there any other large-scale operation radio telescopes in use today? And if so, what are we looking for or are the scientists using them looking for aside from SETI data, which I don't even know what SETI is. I yes, you do know what SETI. Okay, so SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Oh, oh yes. Okay, yes, gotcha. That's yeah. just the acronym. Of course I knew that. Yes, of course. You would just, you'd, of course. I was, I was slow playing it. Uh, so just to get people on the same page, the Arecibo Telescope is a single-dish radio telescope embedded in a natural crater Near, I've been there. I've seen it. It's pretty awesome. In the it's island crazy. of Puerto Rico, yeah. and it's 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 an awesome. It's it's otherworldly, actually. Nothing in the area looks like I it, know. and you think it just landed from space. Uh, that telescope was uh, had sort of a cameo appearance in the film Contact. Right. That's right. where Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey 
establish their love interest in each other. Right. As each sentence gets uttered, they get an inch closer to each other and then cut to the next scene. They're undercovers together in bed. <laughs> so that's what happens when you're hang out at Telescope. Uh, <laughs> always. Always. And the VLA, the Very Large Array Telescope, that's a set of much smaller radio telescope dishes that are that are on tracks. And so this array can be expanded to be 14 miles across or it can be compressed. And depending on the size, depending on the extent of these dishes on those tracks will determine what your resolution is of what it is you're looking at. And do those, com- do those combine kind of Voltron style? They to- brilliantly combine in an awesome feat of hardware and software the signals from all of those dishes combine to make a single image of what you're looking at. And the farther apart they are, the more uh, resolution you have for what it is you're looking at. You might say, well, why not always view things with a far apart configuration? The problem is it's not as sensitive when the dishes are far apart. When they're close together, you can huh. hear, you can see dim radio signals. When they're far apart, you need a bright signal, but you can get very good detail about what's going on. So those remain uh, uh, two of a few leading radio telescopes in the world. The one that's getting all the recent attention, however, is one called ALMA, the Atacama, which uh, for the Atacama Desert Large Array. Hmm. Okay, did I get all my uh, large millimeter array? Uh, ALMA, A L M A, Atacama Large Millimeter Array. So. Uh, millimeter is a wavelength of light just short of what we typically call radio waves. Millimeter light is microwaves. Gotcha. And so microwaves are, if you remember what a wavelength would look like, yeah. you draw a, a, a crest in a trough. So the height of two, the distance between two consecutive crests, that's the wavelength. Right. Microwaves have anywhere between a millimeter and a centimeter typically. And beyond a centimeter, you go up to meters and things, that's radio waves. That's how we've divided the kingdom there. But in fact, it transitions smoothly from one to the other. But if you Google ALMA, you'll find an extensive discussion of what it is we're targeting with this brand newly, freshly opened uh, array. Where is that? Which desert? That's in Chile. It's the Atacama Desert. Uh, In fact, it's high altitude. And I think that the Atacama Desert has the record for the lowest rainfall of any place in the world, wow. like an inch a decade or so. I, I don't I'm know if that's the exact n- <laughs> I'm not going to dispute it now. <laughs> it's but. very low. I, I don't know the exact number, but it is. you don't want to live there. All right? Gotcha. And that's important because water in the atmosphere interferes with microwaves we're trying to get from the universe. And so you want to go to the driest possible place you can. Hmm. And the Atacama Desert is just such a place. By the way, the fact that water interferes with microwaves, we exploit on the other end of this and make microwave ovens. Water as a major food additive, of course. So there you have something you want to eat. You want to heat it up. It has water in it. You put it in a microwave cavity. You beam powerful microwaves across it. That water absorbs the microwaves and it heats heats the food. See, I never knew. I just thought it was, you know, just, just that spinning plate it just moved so fast that it just started bursting or people, into flames. I think three out of five people surveyed still say uh, they use the word nuke it. Yeah, they yeah. think it's something nuclear. And it's so not nuclear. It's, it's ordinary microwaves. And well, that's why the holes, if you look at the screen, uh, by the way, microwaves pass through glass. And all microwave ovens have a glass door. So right. what prevents them from coming out? Look on the other side of the glass door, you'll see a mesh, a screen mesh. So that prevents it? Check the size of those holes, all right? If they are larger than, uh, uh, you know, if... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you don't want the hole to be larger than the, the size of the wavelength like the of your microwave. Otherwise, it'll pass right well, on through. But now, so there's no way of getting if if in, if it's oh, they can't sneak in somehow, huh? If they hit at the right moment, no. In any, wave. any more than visible light can sneak through the wall of a room, right? Uh, it's just not transparent to microwaves. Oh. A dish that uh, a, a mesh that you could otherwise see through, using visible light with much smaller wavelength. Wow, microwaves can't make it through. That's great. Yeah, that's, so we got smart people figuring smart engineers. You're listening to Star Talk. Stay tuned for another segment. Welcome back to Star Talk. Here's more of this week's episode. Well, so we're in the we're in the Cosmic Queries part of our telescope show. And we left off talking about microwaves yeah, and we, how they don't come out of your microwave oven. Because you ask, where in the universe might you find microwaves? And in fact, they're everywhere coming to us from the depths of space. But they also come from regions of the galaxy where stars are being born. So they help us map gas clouds, sort of the birth sack of star of, of stellar nurseries. And so microwaves you mean are, in the, are they almost like in the way there's a big bang the big bang they well, no, start the, over again in different areas? Yeah, so the big bang births all the matter and energy in the universe, but right. now what are you going now what do you show for me lately? Right. So the matter and energy, we have gas clouds that condense and form galaxies and condense and form stars and planets and right. and people, right? So in there, different bands of light including microwaves probe different parts of the universe. And for the longest while, we thought it was just visible light, you know, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. And then we realized, no, oh, there's ultraviolet and x-rays and gamma rays and, mm -hmm. and radio waves. The universe is trying to talk to us in more ways than our eyes can see, thus the birth of these, this whole suite of telescopes. And so you asked, where, do, where are you going to get microwaves? So I was talking about ALMA, the Atacama Large Microwave Array. Right. Uh, in everyday life, Microwaves are what is used for your cell phone communication. Most communications microwaves, in every, I didn't know they're microwaves, exactly. And the walkie-talkies are all microwaves. If you if you had sensitivity to microwaves with your eyes, you, you can tune it. Let's say, if you tune them to microwaves and look around, first you'd be able to see through walls, because why else would your cell phone work inside of a room, unless the microwaves. Can we're see getting, through the walls. We're getting through. Can get through exactly. So the so moment is that we're X-ray, you know, there's X-ray vision, but should we be working on microwave? Vision? Microwave vision is just as good as X-ray. In fact, it's better. It's better. Uh, we got to talk after this. We'll, we'll get, talk. Yeah, some prototypes <laughs> gone. <laughs> and so, uh, so, um, so microwaves. If you tune into that and went by those cell phone towers, they'd be ablaze with light. They'd be the brightest things on the horizon. You wouldn't even see the street lights. You'd be seeing the microwave towers. Wow. And you see people walking on the phone as they go down the street. The whole the, the phone would be aglow. Now, is there is there danger to that? Do we know? There are we, people who would claim there is, but there is no reliable evidence to, evidence, say, yeah. to say so. Right? Are you concerned at all or not? No, not in the least. Oh, great. Yeah. Good. I'm, then I'm, I'm sad. In fact, I sleep with all my cell phones, you know, all around me. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I end up doing Not by choice always. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a couple conversations with people who would have oh. thought they were going to continue, but then I was asleep. <laughs> what'd your, what'd your, you, <laughs> what did that night cost oh, on, yeah, on your, on your credit in, card? In, yeah, or in, in my personal account life, yeah. Um, so what other, you got other questions that came in? Yes, mm -hmm. here's one from Facebook. It's from uh, Tim Guerin Jr. 
And if you were on, he says, if you were on a livable planet near Deneb, I don't know. If that's... Deneb is one of the stars that traced the constellation Cygnus the Swan. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. If you were on a livable planet near Deneb with a telescope looking toward Earth, would our sun be in a constellation? Can we, with our computer technology, visualize what the night sky would look like from that planet? Totally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we've got three-dimensional coordinates of all the stars in the neighborhood out to, you know, several thousand light years. And so, oh, yeah, you can transpose what the night sky would look like on any of the – by the way, it wouldn't have to be a livable planet. Right. It you could just, be from anything. Yeah, just from, from any, any point in space. Yeah. You uh, like apparently he wants to move. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but he wants to know the view first. The view. It's, was he creating a real estate brochure? Exactly. Yeah, he's not looking at ones that don't have photos. <laughs> so the nighttime view. So I don't have off the top of my head what this part of the night sky would look like. Yeah. But what matters is not what the constellation looks like, because. They never really look like what they're supposed to anyway. There's like three out of the 88 that sort of resemble what they're purported to be. To be, yeah, exactly. For example, do you know the constellation Apis, A-P-U-S? You ever hear of it? No, no, okay. I don't know. It's a bird of paradise. And it's got four stars in it. It's like somebody <laughs> is smoking something to call these these five stars a bird of paradise. I right? I, I'm not going there. So <laughs> you know what we did when we rebuilt the Hayden Planetarium? I had a in, in a fit of of, uh, I don't know, of, of, in a fit of irresponsibility, I thought to myself, you know what I want to do? I want to sneak into the, the star ball and update all the constellations <laughs> to stuff that matters to us today. <laughs> you know, put in this guy, the Prius, you know, the cell phone, <laughs> the laptop. It's like two dots are a Prius. Yeah, you yeah, know, I mean, you just, why not? I Or mean, just make them box, line. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there are, there, there's Triangle. a constellation called... Triangulum, which is just a triangle. We, go. we got you already. They got real there, yeah. They got so real as to be boring, right? <laughs> so what's fun about the constellations of the ancients is that they're embedded within their their mythologies and their what mattered in their everyday lives. So so it's a window to the past. And back then very few people were literate. So it was a it was a way it was kind of the library books of the day. Right, right. You'd go out with people. They say, "Oh, here's Perseus, and he saved Andromeda, and Andro-, you know all the stories." It's it's quite a bit of storytelling. So I'm thinking today, it's time to up, update the constellations. Yeah, I, I think of uh, have the ice cream cone. There's some that have V shapes, and I like ice cream. And I have conus I mean, major, conus minor. You know, we could do that. <laughs> like a one scoop, two scoop. Exactly, yeah. a yeah. two scoop constellation. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows what they'll look like? But they'd be subject not so much to what they literally look like, but what the cultural imperative is for those who it's are. It's like yeah, it's like cloud gazing, where you're just exactly. you're, it's reflecting your own personality as much as we. It's very see. Rorschach. Yeah. Yes. Um, this next question I, I'm very curious about, too, is it comes from Facebook from Brandon Fitzpatrick, and he asks, can amateur astronomers buy time on space telescopes? Who decides how the Hubble gets used and by whom? What about terrestrial observatories? Can you go and buy time, you know, rent time? And- yeah, excellent question. And the big ones, no. The big ones are all for professional mm-hmm. use, and even so, they're quite expensive. I mean, they're they're tens of thousands of dollars a night Even to, for, to run them for universities to rent. Yeah, out yeah, universities for, that for own them. Companies. You're paying for the physical plant, the maintenance. There are engineers there all, at all times. There's the food services. Right. You're living nocturnally on the mountaintop, and there's an entire support store. Somebody built the road to get to the mountaintop, yeah. so it costs money. And yeah. so, even if they could afford it, they would not. It's not available to them unless. 
they applied competitively for time. And there's something called the TAC, the Telescope Allocation Committee. Every telescope has it. Hmm. And usually quarterly or semi-annually, you apply for time. I want to use that telescope with this filter and that detector to observe this object for that long, for this reason. Huh. That's all in your proposal. And so all the proposals get put on a table, and the Telescope Allocation Committee reviews them, figures out how much total time is requested. Can it be wedged into the total time available? If not, they come at you and say, we're going to cut you in half. We're not going to give you time at all. We're, we like this one better than that one. We think this will be more fertile as a research path. And so this gets done in every time period. Some people get telescope time and others don't. And is it a little bit bidding too, like money, or is it? Or is no, it, no, 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 no. It's no, no. all based on the scientific. It's, all, it's always scientific. So you can't be like, I want to check out this girl. I, she, yeah, no, that would know, not work. That's right. less, right. less uh, convincing. And as far as I know, no one has bought their way onto it. Because plus, if you buy because your stu- your research isn't good, we know it. We'll know you're you're not. You can't hide if you're not good. Right. Right. And so this is the self. The, the self-checking that goes on in science as an enterprise, right? You can't – there's a limit to how long you can try to pull the wool over someone's eyes because you're incompetent. Because <laughs> it's ultimately still science. <laughs> we, well, still, we will so reveal this fact. Uh, it, 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 it cannot hide. So uh, the Hubble, what we talk about is what is the award rate of your applied time. Uh, depending on how competitive one cycle is versus another, uh, as many as two-thirds of all proposals won't get awarded time. Wow. And so then you try again and try to come up with a better idea. And that's how that goes. Now, there are other telescopes that are not on the frontier but still exist and still have time available to them. And most of the big observatories have some telescopes where they give access to amateur astronomers. And so what you do is call the main office of the various observatories. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Stay tuned. More up next. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com guarantees. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty 
of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back. Here's more of Star Talk. So, you, we are in the Cosmic Queries part of Star Talk Radio for the show on telescopes. And Colin, you just re, you just pulling these off the internet, off of Twitter. I haven't seen any of these questions in advance. Uh, what do you have for me? Yeah, we, we were just talking about the Hubble uh, telescope, and and Brandon Fitzpatrick continues. He had a, another question about the Hubble, which is: Is it possible to build a telescope on Earth that's just as good as the Hubble? So, in what ways do telescope operators account for atmospheric distortion? And he wants to know: Is that going to be when is that going to be retired, and are there going to be plans for replacing it? Yeah, first of all, that, that's an awesome question. But there, there are several parts to that. Let me back up for a minute. It yeah. turns out. Data from the Hubble telescope, once it's obtained by the people who request it, they get to study it and analyze it in all the ways they had intended. Then the data gets posted and it essentially becomes public at that huh. point. So while you can't apply, typically apply as an amateur oh, to wow. command the Hubble telescope, you can actually apply to mine the pre-existing data. Maybe there's a question you could ask of those data that the original people had not considered wow, for them. Exactly. And it's and in fact, we had big plans that fell a little short, but we had big plans of creating something called the National Virtual the, the International Virtual Observatory, where all the data from all the telescopes would be in one place and you say, observe this part of the sky in these wavelength bands, and you'd go into the data and you'd send a worm through and would find all the images taken in all the various wavelength bands you cared about and would find them in the repositories of data that hadn't been looked at for years, possibly, and would bring it back to you and you would have the chance to discover something that no one even thought to ask. Wow. And so it's called data mining. That's wow. what it's called as, as a procedure. Now, in terms of Hubble, we have telescopes far more powerful than Hubble. Hubble is only 94 inches in diameter. Only, it's big. Uh, it's 94 inches in diameter. Uh, the Keck telescope, there's a pair of them in Hawaii, those are 10 meters across. Uh, what's that in inches? It's, it's uh, that would be. Uh, I'm bad at this. 400 inches. 80 I'm million. Bad I'm bad at estimating. <laughs> 400 <laughs> inches versus uh, 90, 94 inches. So the Keck telescope can see much, much dimmer things 
in the universe. The bigger your telescope is, the dimmer you can observe. Right. The advantage of Hubble being above the atmosphere is that the atmosphere renders the sharpness of images uh, fuzzy. Yeah. And so you go above this fuzz layer, and then you see the universe as the universe intended to be viewed. Right. Over the years, however, we've invoked special technology borrowed from the military that allows us to compensate for the fuzzying effects of the atmosphere. And it's called adaptive optics. Wow. It will deform the shape of the mirror in real time with what it reads is going on in wow. the turbulent layers of the atmosphere and exactly compensates for it in a remarkable feat of engineering and software so that you can get very close to the sharpness of the images wow. that Hubble Like a contact lens or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's right. constantly updating. Constantly updating. It's an wow. awesome bit of hardware that we now have called adaptive optics. And so now is that making telescopes like the ones in Hawaii it, getting it, you know it, to that it, level? It has greatly uh, improved the usability of telescopes or, or, or given them a new lease on life. There are objects that were just too fuzzy to do any work with them, even though you are – your telescope was big enough to detect them. You right. were detecting just something that was fuzzy. Now we can detect them and we have sufficient it detail. so you know more about it. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. Interesting. Um, this next question uh, is from uh, DeRay Pringle, Mr. Pringle, who had a, a great just one. the same guy from – Same, from same from guy, the, but he's, okay. he's multi – he's got a lot of topics Dude on Pringle, his mind. Pringle, is he related? I, I don't know. know. Okay. Well, we'll mm -hmm. see. Um, he asks, do you think the James Webb telescope will end up getting cut due to budget shortfalls? Yeah, not if I have anything to do with it. That's the, <laughs> I'm, I'm kicking some congressional butt. Yeah. Let's hope then this is the real Pringle. This is the Pringle family in there. He's, <laughs> yeah, the he's James willing Wet to chip in. Can I use that joke? Yeah, chip you. in. Very good. Yeah, Very thank good. You. Thank you. Uh, I'm professional. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your distance from my professional <laughs> glow. <laughs> so uh, the question surely arose because the budget – there were cost overruns on the James Webb telescope, I mean by a factor of four even. And there was great worry that Congress would just get fed up with this and cut the budget. And my response here is the James Webb telescope, which is going to – it's going to – it's not going to just go in orbit around the Earth. It's going to go a million miles on the other side of the moon and we're going to park it there far away from Earth, far away from any contamination. And it's going to observe galaxies being born in the early universe. It's a telescope unlike any other and required extraordinary engineering innovations to make it happen. And I say if you're going to have a cost overrun on anything, let it not be the highway system you're building or anything else you've done a million times before. Why – why be surprised that if you encounter a cost overrun on something you have never even attempted right. that's going to advance human understanding of the universe? Right. You're listening to Star Talk. Stay tuned for another segment. Welcome back to Star Talk. Here's more of this week's episode. So, uh, you got questions. More on telescopes. Yes. Uh, I had a question, too, because, you know, obviously Curiosity is now on Mars. And I was, Curiosity and the rover, yeah. That's the rover, yes. And um, I'm wondering what – is there any sort of opportunity there to establish – to build either a telescope or is there any sort of telescoping technology they're sending over with that? Does that help aid us in any way? No, not really. From that vantage point. Yeah, no. I mean, Mars is a little farther out away from the sun. Right. But it's not so much closer to the rest of the universe that, that – 
gives us any kind of telescopic advantage. It's so no. And plus, you might ask, would we use a telescope to see our way just on Mars? That's not necessary. When you have a rover, <laughs> you can just – the rover got lazy one day. Hey, I'm just pulling out the telescopes on this one. I think I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit. No, get off your I duff. I did travel all the way here from Earth. <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. So, yeah, we just send it there and it's got tools to actually um, – uh, dig into the rocks and analyze the chemical composition of them. So that's something a telescope can't do. So yeah, when you're there, tell, maybe forget, just do it in person. Forget tell, yeah, just 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 yeah, do it in person with your yeah. own damn rock. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. So why watch pornography when you could have a girlfriend, right? I mean, that's basically. Oh, that would be the uh, uh, corollary to that theorem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm trying to take it put it in real layman's terms. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so this this next question is uh, – it comes from Google Plus from Paul Stewart, and he's wondering, we keep uh, producing larger and larger telescopes. Is there any limit on how large they can be? No. In fact, we are we are taking it to – we are – we – that's what we're doing. So, so check out well what, here, here what we're about to do. We're about to say, okay, the bigger the telescope, the more light it can collect, all right? That's, it's like a bucket and you're trying to collect rain. The person with the bigger bucket collects more rain than the person with the little bucket mm -hmm. because we're passive receivers of light that comes from the universe. We can't hurry the light along. We can't go grab it before it gets here. We sit here and wait for it to reach us. Big telescopes gather more light and see dimmer things. Not only that, the wider the telescope, the more – precise, uh, the, the sharper the resolution will be for what it is it's observing. Hmm. Why is that? Is it just oh, because you're you have more information? You, you have a much, uh, your angle of the, 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 so the way it works is the, the wider your, the diameter of your detector. So, right. by the way, it doesn't have to be one solid detector, such as the VLA. The VLA yeah. You can be spread out. Then you have to be clever about how you combine them. Yeah. So, the wider is that field of view, the the smaller is the the angle that you can accurately observe on that object, and the smaller that angle is, the the better your is your resolution. That's all. So, for example, if you don't if you're not if you're not wearing your glasses, but you should, and you take a look at a lawn, it'll just look like a green carpet. Yeah. Put on your glasses, you see blades of grass. Mm -hmm. If you had even better resolution, you'd see. Insects crawling uh, yeah. within it, and then you can see the cells, and then you could see. So you can imagine having much better vision than even perfect human vision, and you'd see right on down to the threads in the and the fibers of the grass. So this is the challenge of big telescopes. You want a big telescope to to accomplish this. The frontier of this is we're gonna float telescopes in space and have a baseline that's wider than the diameter of the Earth. Well, chew on that. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Stay tuned. More up next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential, and through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's 
it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome back. Here's more of Star Talk. So we were talking about telescopes, and we were talking about the size of telescopes mm-hmm. and how that affects it. Size, right? uh, size matters. Size matters <laughs> for telescopes. Yeah, yeah, it does matter. And now, I, bigger I, is better. What about material-wise? Like what it's created from? No, perfect. That... Qu- Here's the problem: there's a limit to how big you can make a telescope on Earth because it's subject to gravity. The one G force of gravity structurally. That's why the largest radio telescope in the world is sitting in a crater that cradles it. The you couldn't huh. the size of that telescope is so large you could not hold it up and steer it. In fact, it's an unsteerable telescope. You have to wait for stuff to drift into its field of view. This wow. is the Arecibo Radio yeah, Telescope right. in Puerto Rico. You have to wait for stuff to drift into its field of view just to observe it. Is it because the material is so heavy? No, it's that the well. Not that the material itself is heavy, but the size of the structure is so unwieldy gotcha, yeah. given the gravitational forces that operate that you just we, – we have no knowledge of materials that could sustain it. So what we learned is forget Earth's surface. Go into orbit where you have zero G. Right. And when you have zero G, the structural integrity of your materials is no longer relevant, hmm. not at least with regard to the stress of weight mm-hmm. because you're in, it still matters in terms of temperature fluctuations and things because it gets hot and cold as it goes in and out of Earth's shadow. But other than that, you can make structures that are otherwise unstable. In fact, the Hubble telescope, if brought to Earth, would be unusable as a telescope because it is not structurally stable under its own weight. Wow. I never knew that. So, and not only that, uh, in terms of the detectors and the, um, the material that focuses the light, for regular light, you'd use glass. It's very reflective. It's a familiar surface that you put a silver coating on and it reflects. Radio waves, don't, you don't need glass. You can just use wire mesh. The, the, <laughs> the, the size of the hole in your surface just has to be smaller than the wavelength of light that you're trying to reflect. Interesting. So that's all. Now, was the Hubble, was the Hubble built in, finished in space if it was structurally unsound? Oh, no, no, sorry. So it was. Or it was just unusable. It was unusable. Gotcha. But it wouldn't have like fallen apart. (laughs) As a steerable telescope. I thought it was like a couch that you have to build in the room or something. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, when it was opened up and the and the solar panels were exposed, uh, then you have a zero g telescope. The space station itself is un- is structurally unstable. Under this thing is the size of a football field. With, wow. with with booms hanging out and solar panels and pieces screwed in together, there's no way that could sustain itself in any kind of force of gravity at all. That's a nice, uh, yeah, that's a yeah. freeing thing. Um, this this question is from Facebook from Watson McKeel. And uh, the question is, could there be could there ever be such a thing as a gravity telescope, a device that could measure not the effects of gravity but gravity itself or – dark matter or dark energy telescope and what would the universe look like through one of those devices okay so uh, it's an interesting question yeah. just to, to see the gravity field right now we only know gravity by its influence on the movement of other objects right, right. so in a sense all the telescopes and the software and the detectors that have been brought to bear to discover exoplanets in a way, those were gravity telescopes. We were observing the response of the host star to the tugging upon it of the planet in orbit around it. Mm-hmm. So we're observing the effects of gravity through the light emitted by the host star. And but so, this is, is this almost asking, is there a way to show the negative space? Yeah, right? I, mean, I, the... I don't know. We, don't, we have no way. No, no. I don't know any way to, to show that. Yeah. But we do have what are called, uh, uh, there's the Laser Interferometric Gravity Wave Observatory, abbreviated LIGO. And that's a telescope that's to observe, that's a telescope to observe, um, that's a telescope to observe ripples in the fabric of space and time huh. that come our way. And this is predicted by Einstein. Einstein said there should be something called gravity waves. He was, he was ahead, of, ahead of everything. Way, maybe he came from the future into the past That's and showed maybe. up looking pretty cool. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I know. This is yeah. <laughs> yeah, trivial. He's like, I guess, yeah, maybe the bears are going to win in 85. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> the bears. So, <laughs> so um so what you have there is if two black holes collide, that's an awesome disturbance in the fabric of space-time. And that ripple moves through space, and it comes across the telescope. The telescope can then measure it. The birth of the universe itself has a gravitational signature. These gravity wave telescopes would be brought to bear to observe them. But otherwise, just to see gravity sitting there in empty space, I don't know of any way to do that. And what about observing dark energy or dark matter? Oh, well, we're again, we're observing the effects right. of dark matter, energy and dark matter. And that's the effect of when you see the universe expanding. It's exactly. Tons. Thanks for listening to Star Talk Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Many thanks to our comedian, our guest, our experts. And I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Until next time, I bid you to keep looking up. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious.